Loretto, after seven years of wellness summits, we are going virtual for the first time. Oh, it's very exciting, MP. For all those wellness couch fans who couldn't get to a summit because of interstate or international travel, now you can join us. No border closures for this one. Join us from the comfort of home on September 11 and 12 for a day and a night of inspiring, uplifting, empowering information, insights, fun, and of course, a bit of frivolity. This is a wellness summit like no other. Imagine cooking dinner live with Joe Whitten from your very own home. Or joining in a group conversation with some of Australia's greatest thought leaders in health and wellness. The theme this year is revolution, and you're invited to join us. Tickets are just 97 bucks. You'll receive lifetime access to the recordings and a stack of bonuses when you register. Proudly brought to you by Positive Mentor. The rundown, the speakers, and all the details are at thewellnesssummit.com. This is episode number 73. Today I bring you Melanie McVean, the founder of the natural deodorant No Pong. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next level of greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Today, I'd say this is the accidental entrepreneur. We're going to hear the story today of Melanie McVean. She's the founder, CEO, CFO, and the customer service experience at Nopong. Yes, she does it all. And she does it all. Besides this Australia's fastest growing deodorant brand, she is also a registered midwife, clinical educator, international board certified lactation consultant, and she was talking to us today on this interview in East Timor. She has a neuropsychology background. She is there helping over in East Timor with the leadership team, focusing on better education systems, and actually had to push the interview back about 20 minutes because she got an emergency call from the department. Department of Health over in East Timor with the director. So this woman is very busy and very needed in the world. I will give you a heads up that she is calling in from East Timor. The reception is fairly average. The interview is great hearing Melanie's story. There's so many pearls of wisdom. So hopefully you can hang in there and get your ears start to adjust to the difference in the audio levels. Remember, we have the Herpreneur Pen giveaway. Oh my gosh, they are gorgeous. They're white, like Shirovsky uh, crystals at the end of it. They've got the Herpreneur logo on there. So every time you look at it, you remind yourself how great you are being a woman in business, changing the world. It's our way to say thank you to you. The way you get your hands on it is doing exactly what you normally do, which is putting a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, writing a review on the episode that you love or writing a review on the podcast show and then contacting us. So it's two easy steps. Write the review, then contact us and say, hey, this is my review and this is my address so we can send you the pen. 
The Herpreneur Podcast Show is brought to you by Convert Club. That's mine and my husband's beautiful way of teaching people how to sell. We call it reverse selling. It's how do we actually make those sales conversions without the ickiness of selling. Most of us don't want to be the hardcore salesperson, right? So what we do is we teach you how to be able to reverse the sale, turning you from being the chaser, the desperate salesperson, into the chasee, meaning the client or the customer is wanting you. Let's move on to a brand that is being chased down left, right, and center with anyone that wants to solve their smelly armpit problem. Let me introduce you to Melanie McPhee, founder of No Pong. Ladies, welcome to the show. My goodness, I have been wanting to get this woman on the show and I was so happy that she actually was in contact with me through her agent and I was like, holy crap, this is who is on our target list. Uh, She is an incredible female entrepreneur. She's a midwife. She's been doing amazing things. She's built this business to a multi-million dollar business. We're going to hear about the journey today about No Pong. Welcome to the show, Melanie. So great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Really Love it. <laughs> well, we all are, right? I had Lisa Curry yesterday, so I'll tell you what, I felt like I need to pee my pants before I actually spoke to her. Although here she is an Australian icon. Um, I would love to know where are you in this beautiful part of Australia today? Where are you actually calling in from? So, tricky question. I'm actually not in Australia. So, I'm in Timor Leste. What? Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah, so Timor Leste is just above Australia. I think most Australians know where it is. Um, but yeah, we live over here because so I work for a nursing and midwifery development program over here with the National Hospital. Mm, your schedule must be absolute chaos. I was going to ask this <laughs> at the end, but let's just dive into it straight away now. You're a midwife, you've done neuroscience, you do consulting, you were just on the phone before we actually jumped on to the Australian Health Minister. You've also run a multi-million dollar business. Can I ask, what is a week like in your shoes? Like, how do you do this? <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I really, I'm very good with my calendar and I try and follow it. But basically, I spend, because we live in Timor, I spend most of my days working at the hospital. Um, and I was with the Timor Leste Minister of Health, um, not the Australian Minister of Health. Um, but, and then I I wake up early and I work on No Pong before I go to work. Mm-hmm. I work on No Pong after. And then I also split some of my time. And then I have my wonderful husband as well and uh, try and get some exercise in there at the same time. Team effort, eh? Gosh, absolutely. Probably wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) So tell me, let's go back to the start. I want to know the moment that you went, I need to make a deodorant because I tell you what, I'm very passionate about this subject. I am, full disclosure here, very personal when I had a right armpit problem, it continually stung and it didn't matter what deodorant I used and I was definitely into the, 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 the natural stuff and I couldn't find anything. And my girlfriend said to me, you've got to use no pong. 
and I hadn't tried it, right? And then she sent me a little container, a little silver container, and I remember with my nails trying to pop it open, like got Pete to open it for the first time. <laughs> I said, can you open this? And it was like magic. I did not pong. That right arm BO problem that I had, it went away. It went away forever. So I want to know what was the idea or the moment, take us back to what happened to get you to just dive in and think to create a deodorant. A deodorant. Yes, it's a a bit of a journey, as most things are. Um, I, being in the Midwest, I manage women's health, and um, so I started paying attention to the ingredients of the things that I was putting on my body and in my body, not that I'm always perfect about it, but um, you just, I started trying to think like, okay, you need to simplify the things you can simplify, Mm -hmm. and I, so I started making a homemade version of no pong and it was just using it happily by myself with no issues and um i really liked it but i was probably using it for about this i don't know about six months to a year before it came to the idea of having a business okay but so, how did you create it like how did you even know what to do because i wouldn't know what to do uh, right so like how yeah. did that even start to go let me just experiment <laughs> Google. <laughs> yeah. Basically Google. Yeah. I just started looking up um, recipes and then tweaking them and playing with them mm-hmm. because, I mean, I actually have a, a DIY spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very into spreadsheets and numbers. So I put them all in and compare what works, what doesn't work and tweak wow. things and, um, and then kind of created my own. And even my own version that I was using wasn't the version that No Pong is now. Um, it was much more simple version or mm-hmm. not really the ingredients haven't changed, but the process is, has changed a little bit. Wow. So you were trying it for a year. Okay. You're experimenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what stage did you go, yeah. Hey, I should sell this. Did you give it to friends and they loved it? Like at what stage, what was that point to go from yeah. doing it at home to let's actually make this a product? For the for the retail, so so Chris and I, my husband and I, we were on a surfing trip in Java and staying in this little hut on the beach, really basic. And he ran out of his normal deodorant and basically started using mine, but didn't really want to tell me because he thought it was a bit funny that I was making my own deodorant. Um, and he was using it for about three days, and I noticed he was wearing the same T-shirt. And so I just kind of said, you know, honey, I know we're in Java, but it's the same shirt for days in a row. And he goes, no, I don't smell it. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I've been using your deodorant. And he's like, smell me. And so I did, and surprisingly, he didn't. Um, And he's like, you need to sell this. So really, I have to give that credit to Chris. He was the one who who was like, this is amazing, people need to have this. Wow. And, um, yeah. And was yeah. He, did he have a bit of an entrepreneurial like journey himself? Like was he already in business and used to launching stuff out in the marketplace? Yes. So Chris um, has been, well, he worked in marketing and advertising. That's his background. Um, but then he also worked with a Sydney startup um, kind of uh, group and 
helps businesses to launch as well. And mm-hmm. he worked hard some startups of his own, but none of them really worked. And we learned so much through those processes. So when he said to me, we need to sell this, I was like, because we had had some that were great ideas that mm-hmm. hadn't worked. And yeah. so we wanted to do it really different. Um, the way, and we were really, really strict on how we how we started No Pong in order to not have you know, a long journey of something that wasn't going to work. Mm. So what did you do different? Like what were the things that you did differently in that first few steps, that first year? Well, the first the first step we did was we only wanted to dedicate one day. So we did a 24-hour hackathon, and literally in that day we came up with the, the name, we started the website, we came up with the vision, our values. We did a few really crude commercials, and if you're really good on the internet, you can probably find them. Oh. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we, what else did we do? Uh, oh, we came up with how we were going to send it. I wanted to be plastic free. I was really, really, really stressed about that. And um, I was making it in jars, like in glass jars, but it's heavy, it's hard to ship. So we had to come up with a different way to send it. Um, we just did it all, and we still have the notebooks mm-hmm. today that we that we did those in, and we just did it in one day. And then we thought, okay, all right, now let's try it, and if it doesn't work, we'll just stop it super fast. Um, so we put a post out on, I think it was just our personal Facebooks, and said to our friends, we're starting this business, would anybody be interested to try, essentially? Yeah. And then we got 50 orders within a day. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah. Talk about yeah. testing product to market and fit. <laughs> That's amazing. Exactly. Gosh. And I haven't even made anything yet. And were you I just thinking? Yet. Yeah. Were you just thinking? Oh, they're just all friends buying it, or were there like names on that list where you're going? I don't even know this person. Yeah, there were people that I hadn't spoken to in ages. You know, Facebook. You kind of your friends accumulate, and I lived all over the world, and so I had people from I'm Canadian. I had people from Canada. Um, messaging and our friends in Australia, but then also people I just hadn't seen. And um, Chris got some random ones as well. So we were like, okay, this people want this. Mm. So in the beginning, we made product order. So I didn't want to um, make ahead of time and then not sell. And that was part of our growth process. We only grew the business as much as the business could grow on itself. Mm-hmm. And also that we could be kind of, we can do it ourselves. So it was slow, but but in an upward trajectory. And and we really just were really careful about to make sure, just kept checking in to make sure it made sense. Yeah. Um, we didn't take any investment or we still to this day haven't had any investment. We've only grown the business mm-hmm. on itself. Mm-hmm. Because we think, you know, we don't want to make a product that people don't want. And as long as people want it, we make it, and um, and we love making it. But it's just really important to us not to, you know, just have something out there that yeah that, that customer that people don't want. It's not useful. Yeah. So yeah, that's how that's part of our business model. Oh, that's beautiful. So what happened when was there a significant stage when you were like, okay, we have to like now ramp it up, like there's. <laughs> You know, we can't do product to <laughs> product make. What, what did you call it? You were um, creation to order. What, what did you call that? To what, what was yeah. you were 
product owner. Product yeah. owner. Making it, making, yeah, making daughter. Yeah. yeah. So when was yeah, the stage well, when you went, right, we've got to like ramp it up now? Was yeah, there a significant no. happen? Yeah. Yeah. There was kind of two significant things that happened. So one was we were both working full time in our jobs. I was working 12 and a half hour shifts at the hospital in Sydney and Chris was working, you know, marketing, advertising hours, which are, you know, all day crazy hours. Mm-hmm. And and then we come home and have to make like 120 no pongs to send out to people because we have a very strict guideline that we send when people order, we send the next business day. Yeah. So we have late nights in there where, you know, we're trying to make this and get it all going. We had our own production line going on just between the two of us. Um, and then I got a job in Tanzania uh, as a midwife consultant. And so that kind of changed it for us. And we thought, okay, so we've only been at here. We started selling really to the public in May and then they wanted you to leave at the end of September. And so it's pretty quick timeline, um, but that pushed us into getting help. So then we went and found a manufacturer, um, like a contract manufacturer, and then did lots of rounds of testing with them in order so that they could make it like we make it at home. It's a tricky. And what was that experience like? Was that did was that did you stick with the one manufacturer or did you have to go through a few just to really get the match? Yeah. Yeah, I think the experience was interesting. I mean, the beginning they were they were good. There was a lot of tweaking of ingredients and particle size and things that we've learned along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been through a few different manufacturers now and the the company that we use now, they're actually like an extension of our team. They're the same value that we have. We work really well together and it's um it's really really good but we're five years in now so it's taken a little while to to get there um and uh so it's it's always a you know when everything works well it's great but then when there are difficulties I think that's when we find if you're a good fit or not that's how you work through difficulties together yeah you said there was two two significant moments that you knew you sort of like we're on to a win or you had to ramp things up what was the second thing well, it was the, the super late nights. We just weren't able to keep up. Chris yeah. and I could not. I mean, at one point we had to make, I think, like two or 3,000 no palms over a weekend. It was just <laughs> crazy. So it was <laughs> that and the fact that we were now going to leave the country. So yeah. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to physically do it within, within Australia. Mm. Yeah. Look, you've got ladies listening that – want to create an online product, want to be able to launch their product, want traffic, they might have a product that want, they want to get into actual shops and have stockers. What were some of the steps that you guys had to do to be able to really get the sales, generate the sales and the marketing? Was it something that you really did more socially or was it just a lot of hard work in the back end? Or was it a mixture of both? Like how did you get the sales pumping like you did? I think... Marketing. I think, um, I mean, if, if, if Chris, when Chris listens to this, he'll be really happy that I said this, but I think a lot of businesses go in and they don't think about the marketing cost. Mm-hmm. You know, they think, okay, this is the product and this is how much it costs me to make it. And so therefore this and this and this, but they actually don't need any budget for the marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. And if 
if you don't have, if no one knows about your product, they're not yeah. going to be able to, to buy it. So you have to push that. And that's where we were really lucky because Chris's background, he's really, he's a marketing genius. And so there was a lot of learning, but really just getting it out there, getting it known, mm-hmm. um, and really investing in good, honest marketing. Also knowing who your customers are and then listening yeah. to them. Customer love is a number one value as a, as a business. And that also came from our brainstorm in the beginning because um, without customers, you don't have a business. And so yeah. in order to for us to create a product that people want, we have to listen to our customers and um, keep that dialogue open. And so that for us has helped shape how Nopon has grown just mm-hmm. because of people's feedback and um, we have a really a group of 500 testers. Are we starting with the, wow. with the connection? No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got and, you. I've got you. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I think that customer input is just is huge yeah. in order to be able to keep offering something that people want. Because you're also at the forefront. Your bio is also part of the customer experience happiness team, right? Like you're you're still um, talking to customers or listening to customers, like part of your role now oh, with everything that you do. Yeah. On top of that, like yeah. you are the CEO, yeah. the CFO, the CEO, the COO, and the customer experience happiness customer, yeah. like person, right? So you're like they're at the forefront. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's because it's like it's it's our number one value. So we have to keep listening to them and um and just. I don't know. I, I don't think a, a lot of people, well, I didn't think when I started a deodorant company that you would get such um, amazing messages from people. Uh, you know, there's people who have struggled with the their whole lives and they message you. Like they send us the most beautiful messages. Some of them, you know, bring tears to our eyes because of the way no pong is applied, um, which is I know different because it's a clean deodorant and people think, oh, I don't want to touch my armpits. Um, it allows women to have that extra time in the morning to spend some time with your armpits. And I know people think, ooh, but at the same time, it's a good time to check them. And as a women's health advocate, I think it's really important that women are in touch with their bodies. And so no pong is applied that way, and it gives that added, just that added check. And we actually have had two people now come to us and say they have found lumps in their armpits because of the way they were applying no problem. Wow. And one of them is just finishing treatment and we keep in touch with her. Um, and she's doing really well. The other one luckily was benign. But it's such Gosh. a for me it just really hit home that we just have to keep we have to keep at it and just normalize purpose because they're not gross, they're not dirty. Like, yeah, yeah that's the thing. So, yeah, because when yeah. I first got it off my girlfriend, I was like, how do you use it? And she goes, just like scrape a little bit like into a size of a pea and rub it on. I said, with my fingers. She goes, yeah. But the lucky yeah. thing is I've got these long babies, right? So it's like I can do yeah. this beautiful long scrape. And the first time you touch your arm, it's actually we never touch our armpits. Just think we could touch every part of our body. No. But we never touch our armpits. Yep. So it's actually a bit of self-love. But your armpits are clean when you're putting them on. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And the one thing I have noticed, and this is what I say when I recommend the product now, I'll go, you watch the transformation in your skin. Your skin improves. Yeah. 
you never get the um yeah. like i used to get like little little pimples or something kind of like i don't know what it was blocked pores or something my armpits are beautiful yeah. like they're underneath the skin is just tremendous <laughs> It's nearly as good as the skin on my face. But, um, yeah, and, I, you know, for me it was – I was so dedicated to um, – for me it's – and I think this is, you know, part of because you created this product, being a midwife, as soon as you're a mother, it's like you want to take all these chemicals away. My nails went off yeah. when I was pregnant. Everything went off. And, like, yeah. stop dyeing my hair, everything. And I went so yeah. natural because everything is being absorbed through the body. And yeah. that product now when I you know, share it with people, um, I say to them, look, you put it on your finger and I said, and you actually rub it on your armpits. And I said, it feels it's a bit different because we're not used to doing that. I said, but you watch the difference in your armpits. And if for any reason you don't want to do it, all I want you to say to yourself is what's more important, your health? And, you know, looking after what's going into your body or spraying some aluminium that the tragedy that it's doing in your body in the years to come, even though you can't see it now, it's, you know, what's more yeah. important of the two. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting just the mid the midriffy and you, you know, looking at doing something that's quite natural. Is that what you're like in your life? Are you organic? Are you very natural? Like are you very chemical free living? Like what's what's it like <laughs> in your life at home? <laughs> well, because right now I live in East Timor, so um, it's quite easy to be organic here because you can yeah. only buy vegetables from the so local market. Um so, so that's really good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I just try and have balance. Like, I'm not always perfect. I'm not going to, you know, I like a glass of wine just like everybody else. Yeah. And um, but I want to be conscious about my decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, if I'm deciding to eat some junk food, which for sure happens once in a while, if, if it's in the stores, it's here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always happy. So it's like a treat. Um, then, then I can, but uh, it's more about the consciousness of it. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm perfect, but I just try and make those conscious choices. Mm. I love that transparency as well. So there's no pressure on us trying to be perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, you talked yeah. about the consciousness. Um, and I know that you have the product and it's in a tin. It was in a glass before. Yeah. And I know that you yeah. would get feedback for a roll-on. Tell us about the story about yeah. you sticking to your values and not putting it into a roll-on and why. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, we get that still every once in a while. I mean, I think as, as a one grows, it's gonna, we're going to get it more and more. And that is because, you know, people are used to rubbing something on, you know, using an applicator. Mm-hmm. Um, but we... I mean, for me, there's two things, like I've talked about before. The first thing is I want to be plastic-free. It's really, really difficult to do any sort of roll-on or stick applicator without adding some sort of plastic. I have seen some cardboard ones, um, but it's still not like a perfect user experience, and I want it to be just nice and easy. And then the second option, the second thing that really holds on to me is I actually want people touching their armpits. I, I want them to touch their armpits. And it's because I'm a new file. 
And I think that everyone should. I think everyone should love their body and pay attention and check things. And your armpits deserve the love. And um, so that's that's why we won't we will never do a roll on our Oh day. gosh, ladies, wouldn't you want her to be your midwife? Doesn't she just sound beautiful? <laughs> the heart and the love coming through tell me you were saying that there was a stage there where you did like 3,000 you had to pack 3,000 products over a weekend with your partner yeah what was it like were you guys in a state of like stress arguing like I know for me whenever I am nervous that's when I actually get angry it's quite weird it's when I'm nervous is when I'm angry thank god I don't get nervous to go on stage because I love public speaking though I know if I'm running late for something and it's normally with Braxton so my, my little boy that's when I find like the nerves get in and the arguments can happen I couldn't imagine me with the pressure of 3,000 little pots to pack and send the arguments that would have happened between Peter and I just from the stress instead of being in the joy of going, oh, look at all these people we're serving. And what was that yeah. weekend like? Was that chaos? <laughs> or were you in like, it was, mm. <laughs> I think it was probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It was, um, was it chaos? Um, we had to get really creative um, on how we did it. And so there were a few tense moments, I'm not going to lie here. But um, but Chris and I worked really well together. And so I think, you know, when we knew we had to do it, the stress of the idea of it probably caused a little bit yes. of tension. But then once we started doing it, you just got to gotta yeah. break it down, set out your process and just do it. And and you, and you were thinking about the customers and just how wonderful it was. Because 3,000 people, like, you just want to kiss every packet. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. Coronavirus it's protected. Every order. Like, <laughs> yeah. Way, way before. <laughs> Please don't send me mail on this. We'll have every order come to our email because I love I love seeing people order. Like, I, I yeah. love it. I yeah. Just, I love seeing those orders come in. It's mm. so nice. It really, I just feel so lucky mm. that, um, that other people love my products. So what is it like working with a partner? What would you give some advice to some women that are working with their partners now, looking at working with their partner that they also live with? Pete and I now work together. Um, he's in the office upstairs, I'm downstairs. Um, you know, we, we've been blessed because he actually was my sales coach in my early 20s so we've been together for 20 years now and um, and then we started consulting together and so there was always we always were employees for the same employer at one stage so we used to sort of having that work relationship Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't know what the transition would be for someone that hasn't had that can you give us some tips on what you do, how to make it work, or a bit of an insight? Yeah, yeah. I think for us in the beginning, because we had our other jobs, like you said, you have you and Pete have separate offices. I think that's really important to kind of have some space mm-hmm. within your work, even if you work together, yeah. to not always sit right next to each other because mm-hmm. that you know it can be a bit intense. And then finding your area that you love. Like, 
Yeah. I am a numbers person. Mm. I am spreadsheets and product and ingredients and, um, you know, numbers. I am numbers. Chris is marketing. I'm terrible at that. I just, well, I don't know. I've never done it. So we really kind of followed off the business. And I, you know, worked in restaurants for years and years. The customer service is number one for me. Um, so that comes under me. And so we kind of divided the business up. And then we own those areas. Mm-hmm. And then so yeah. when we come together, it's a decision making. You know, it's bringing the idea and you decide together. But you still own your own areas. And I think that is what helped us. Yeah. And also growing the team so that there's other people in amongst it as well. Yeah. It's not just the two of you. And so who's, who's what, what roles do you have in your business now? How many do you have in your team? Is it a small team? Is it a virtual team? Is it... A team actually in the manu- I know you've got your manufacturers that feel like they're part of your team, which is beautiful. Um, but what does your team look like? Yeah. So within our team, we have um, just hired another team member, actually. So there's nine of us, um, well, kind of ten of us. Um, and uh, we've got three of our amazing staff who are dedicated to customer service. So we basically have 24 hours. Customer love, we call them customer love agents because that is what they are. That's the job, they're the agent of customer love. And um, and then we've got some managers. We started a business in Canada as well. So we have a, a manager um, of the Canadian business. And then in Australia, we have a logistics manager and uh, a customer love kind of general manager. And then now we've just hired someone to help us with our copywriting and social and Mm-hmm. just to give that extra touch um, on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And then Chris and I. So um, Chris is marketing, IT. These are the things that he's really good at. Yeah. And I'm operations and, uh, and then finance. I'm CFO. And, uh, and then we kind of share the CEO role. <laughs> so it works, with, yeah. it works really well. How did yeah. you go um, training your team up in how to respond to customers' feedback and just train them up with your same values? Was it part of your hiring process? Was there a lot of training involved? Is there a lot of, I don't know, behind the scenes, just getting them, watching them practice? Like what was that whole training experience like? Yeah, with the first employee, that was probably the most difficult because Chris and I had it all in our heads and nothing, no processes laid out. Um, yeah. So that was a learning for everyone. And she, what we did with her was I had been doing all the customer service. And so we kind of started getting her to practice looking at the way I responded and then she could respond. But mm-hmm. it was probably almost even two months of practicing, mm-hmm. practicing customers so that the customer would message us and then she would do a practice answer and then I would feedback on that and then yeah. she would either respond or I would respond um, because we really, really wanted um, to keep that really yeah. important value and culture that Chris and I had already fostered with our amazing customers. Mm. Now we have, um, it is part of our hiring process and um, we have a, a whole values kind of culture deck that we bring people through. We hire them based on their values as well mm-hmm. uh, because we really found that working with um, with anyone, their partners, business partners, or within our team, if you have the same values and things go wrong, it's easy to kind of work through them together. But yeah. if you have really different values, that it makes 
difficult, you know, it makes yeah. things difficult to move forward. And so now all of the teams that we align with our values, either consciously or subconsciously, and um, but within our team, they all sign a values document that this is how they'll do, it has behaviors, um, and, it, and we call each other on it as well. I think that's the other thing. So even someone could say to me, you know, I'm doing something that is in line with our values, they're fully allowed to say, well, what about, you know, what about excellence or what about efficiency on this, Melanie? And I'd be like, okay, fair enough, you know? So we, um, even within, you know, we're all allowed to call each other on it and keep that culture going. That's really beautiful. Um, How does it take you to train somebody up? Is Is it quite a short process now after you do the values and you go the hiring? What's the time frame that it takes to sort of get them out and feel? I know it sort of depends on, you know how good they are the customer responses but what's, what's sort of a good snapshot because it takes a while for me what i notice now i've got two new vas and mm-hmm. it, it it takes a lot of work just to train them up but now one yeah. of the vas that i've had for a while he is now really quite strong so now i'm sort of doing what you're saying which is watching him practice what he's doing with his training and then he can go on train and then he comes back and then sometimes i do it um, what what's yeah. the length of time it's taken you now you've got your value set now you know what you've got pretty much the foundations there you've got what five years now of experience how long does it take you to that yeah. turnaround to get someone out probably about three weeks I think the last person we had responding to people still being like closely monitored but mm. probably about three weeks mm. um, where they've actually started responding to customers if it's the customer love position for us that's our direct contact with our, you know, with our amazing customers. And so you protect that one. Oh, yeah, you like, oh. um, <laughs> you want to make sure that they're, because yeah. they're representation of your business, right? They're representation of your brand. Exactly. So that's what's that's such the yeah. scariest thing, isn't it? Um, and, you know, they yeah. they want to. What I always realise with staff is, you know, the, 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 no matter who it is in your team, they want to succeed just as much as you do. They don't want to stuff up just as much as you do. But it's a matter of just giving no. them the words and the skill and the, the framework of how to package something up verbally and, and, and send it back. So, yeah, it's a yeah, real exactly. artwork. Yeah, and using the language that we would use as well. So I think that's the tricky bit is, mm. you know, everyone comes from a different background and, you know, there's certain keep everything positive and so using positivity instead of negativity, you know, it's, mm. it's a bit of an art to it. So, yeah. yeah. You're in, so where are you based at the moment? The products sold um, mostly in Australia and Canada. Are you, yeah. are you go, looking at going more global now as well? Yep, we are. Um, but most so Australia has an Australian business and we make the cars in Australia for Australians. Mm-hmm. And then also people internationally can order from Australia mm-hmm. um, as well. That's our core business. That's the one we started five years ago. Canada, we just started two years ago now. Um, and then it's so it's a separate business and it manufactures no longer in Canada for Canadians. Mm-hmm. So uh, we thought it was a good model at the time um, because we really wanted to have that local feel. We wanted to support local markets. We want everyone, you know, I like the idea of buying local products, so why wouldn't I make the world's local product? So that's kind of the model. Um, it is difficult, though, to manufacture the same product in different places using different ingredients. 
and get yeah. the same outcome. Wow. So uh, that's that's probably difficult. So we um we may kind of you know expand Australia's product elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, but keep it made in Australia and same with Canada and just try and um, export a little bit more yeah. from those two countries. So one of the things I share with women, um, just my private clients, is, you know, we normally get a lot of our ideas when we've got that space, when we're exercising or we've just got that bit of freedom. We don't normally get the, the ideas when we're going. Better, uh, yeah. When do, do you get ideas for, for um, releasing new products? And if so, how do those ideas come to you? Is it from customer feedback and they're sharing with you ideas or is it just these amazing little downloads that you get every now and again? It's probably a mixture of both. I think inspired by our customers because they are our customers. So they always, you get amazing feedback and really good ideas. Some of them we can action, some of them we can't. But then also I need to create space for myself because I have two jobs. Um, sometimes that can be a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, last week or two weeks ago, I actually just took a full week off and rode my bicycle down about an hour outside of town here and stayed in a little kind of hut retreat and just strategized by myself. Just I listened to a podcast while I was um, driving my bike and then by the time I got there, I was in the zone and yeah. I just got so many ideas for the business and it was really, really good. I think it really made me realize I need to do that more, mm. you know, and take yourself away yeah. and um, and put it in the calendar because otherwise it's just so easy to get busy in the yeah. busyness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I'll say to my clients, the my we've got like a new um, branding coming out, so we've got a beautiful event coming up called Magnificence, and it's really helping women that are extremely busy. How do we continue to stay in alignment and be able to have this feeling of instead of being burnt out all the time, how do we continually stay in alignment? And um, one of the the learnings is your body is a part of your business, right? Your body is your yeah. business. And if you aren't the person that's going to get up at 5 a.m. or exercise at 8 p.m., <laughs> then you're going to schedule it in your workday somehow because it's a part of your work. And if yeah. you you know schedule it in for whatever time it is, you go for that bike ride or you go for that walk or you do that Pilates class, when you come back, you're so much more energized. But also that's where the ideas come in. So I'm glad that you've said that. Yeah. You know, That's just something that you, you really love to keep being able to do. Look, we've got different types yeah. of women on, on the show. We have women in the startup. We've got women that are in, you know, the growth stage, quite seasoned businesses. Uh, I would love for you to be able to give a piece of advice for a female entrepreneur, and she's in that startup stage. She's looking at your business, going, "I want my product to be like that," but she's overwhelmed. Like she's in startup. What we know what startups like, you know, it's you're doing things yourself, yeah. you're doing the marketing, you're doing. You, you've probably got low cash as well, so there's not much cash behind you unless yeah. they've done capital rising or they've done a really good, you know, nest egg there. What would be a piece of advice yeah. that you feel would really help her get through that first year um, to make a real significant difference? I think probably, you know, if 
you're in startup and you're actually selling, you have those customers, thinking about growth before you're ready to think about growth. I think for us, because for me, getting that contract manufacturer, I just didn't even want to wrap my head around that. I was like, no way, this isn't going to work. It's not. Whereas we probably weren't quite ready as a business, but once we did it, then we could expand. And so when you, you're in a startup and you just think, oh, you have to do it all yourself. And so I think trying to think about getting those little things that'll help you grow probably just before you're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Because once you're ready, it's, it's too late. You're going to yeah. miss it and you're going to be yeah. so overwhelmed. You won't even be able to wrap your head around mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's true. It's like if you remember Nudie Juice, uh, Nudie Juice, mm-hmm. um, I think they're in New South Wales. And they, they were the first ones to really bring out, uh, a, um, I think it was a cold-pressed juice, and they branded it for kids, yeah. and it was just so it was not the concentrated stuff. And this is years ago, and they had to close their factory down for three months because they had yeah. so much success that they weren't ready with the capacity of what the factory could pump out the amount of staff. So they had to, <laughs> you think it's a good problem, but it's also, yeah. you know, it would have been just a nightmare for them oh. because they weren't ready for it's that so- success. And like you're saying, like yeah. if if you're re- like be ready for it. And also I think that puts you in a different how you show up, right, because then it's not, you're not there for the yeah. hobby. Like you're there for the long for the long run, for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. We actually ask ourselves, is it scalable? Is it scalable? And if it's not, then we, we don't do it. Even with some of our processes, we think, oh, this is really nice to do this, you know, daily. But if it's something that's not scalable, then it's not going to work. And it comes back to one of our values is efficiency. Um, and that's because we're a small team and we're a distributed team. Everyone works from home. Um, and so we just need to be able to punch above our weight, really. What are some but, of the yeah. values that you have? You, you're sharing some of the values. So one of them was efficiency. Do you remember them off the top of your head, Miss CEO? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Definitely let's hear them. You. Let's I'm hear them. them very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is customer love. I've already discussed, discussed about that. Um, second is excellence. And that's because we do really believe that everything can be a work of art. And so even the most minute task, you know, and mopping a floor to some maybe, you know, a menial task, but to others, they do it so well. And that floor is beautiful and it is a work of art. And we want everything that we do to have that kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. So not that it's, you know, has to be perfect, but it should be done with an attitude of excellence. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, efficiency, again, I've already talked about that one. That's because we are a small team and we do want to keep it a small team so we can make it efficient for our customers and affordable for our customers. So we all have to punch above our weight for that one. The other one is always day one. And this is kind of comes, we stole Amazon, to be honest. Um, but it's it's about having that entrepreneurial spirit. So it's, you know, coming to work, you never want to go, oh, well, I'm doing this because it's always been done that way. Because if there's a better way to do it that's more excellent and more efficient, you should be working towards that. So coming coming to work with that, it's day one. How are we gonna, you know, change things today? And it's actually in people's KPIs to prove that they're improving processes. Fantastic. Um, and then the last one is we others succeed. And this comes within our team, but then also with our customers and the businesses that we work with. And 
So this kind of, instead of doing, you know, where we donate to, um, you know, a certain charity that we have chosen, what we do is if someone's a customer with us and they ask us to donate something on their behalf, we do it. We try to support all of our customers. Um, as long as they're a customer, we're thrilled to help support them because we think we can have more impact in the world if we are supporting everyone else rather than just choosing something that's important to us. Mm. So, yeah, those are our five values. Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that. Let's just say we've got the, the female entrepreneur. She's a seasoned business owner. She's been in business for years. Perhaps she needs to, you know, scale perhaps she needs to you know rehire build but she's she's ready to up level like she's ready to go the next level she knows that she's she's got the goods what would be something you could say to to more of a seasoned entrepreneur that just needs to get to that next part there's probably a few things one thing i think that's helped us to kind of is um to grow is education I mean, even if you've been doing it for a while, growing and, um, you know, being part of another group, I know that you know that we're, we're part of an educational group, and it's amazing. You meet other business owners, you learn from them, and you just get tools in your belt to actually help you uplift. And for me, I think, I mean, I believe in education, in my industry work, and just in life. I think it's so important. We, we should all be lifelong learners. And um, it's the same in business. Even if you're a seasoned business owner, you probably have some bad habits or things that you've just been sitting on. Yeah. And, and so joining a group, getting a mentor, um, doing whatever you can do to try and actually you know, uplift your, not only yourself, but then your staff as well. And there's always a group out there. Yeah, I love that you said that because, you know, the the saying which we all know, you know, you're never too old to learn, it's it's so true because say for Peter and I, as soon as we went into business together, I'm always having a coach. So whatever it is that I need, so if I need an Australian tour, I'll do that. If I want to get, you know, certified for NLP, I'll do that. I want to do hypnosis. So for me, it's always like I want to get the coach to be able to, that I'm accountable to. So when I say I want to get somewhere, I'll get there. Uh, When Pete and I went into business together, I said to him, we need to find now a new coach and we need to find somebody that has, a different caliber of people that we are at their level, but we are even the dumbest people in that room because I always believe that, you know, we want to be the dumbest person in the room. We want to be the smartest one because we're not going to learn anything. And we found it and it's just so nice for Pete and I to actually be together instead of me being with the coach all the time or, or being the coach. It's so nice to be there with your partner and just seeing the things that you just wouldn't have seen because you're too much on the tools or in the delivery and it's just so nice because you don't know everything we have our own skill set you're right yeah. we've got our own skill set we know what we're great at but we also know what we're terrible at and we suck at and we're so honest and open to be able to do that so i love that you said that because yeah. it does make a difference and that holds you accountable and i love what you said where it changes the level of the network of people that you're around as well because yeah. You do yeah. learn from them, but then you've got these incredible people that are now your friends. Like we don't ever meet friends anymore. I moved to Perth and yeah. it took me so long to meet friends because 
I work from home. So it was mainly just the women at the school, but I really wanted the business women again. Like I wanted to get into that, you know, into that hub that I had over in Sydney. And then sure enough, just being in that group, and even though it's virtual, we now have these new beautiful connections. We've got new friends. Like I feel like a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exciting. And I mean, that's part of the, the neuropsychology role as well, because you're learning together and then your, your brains actually build connections together. Mm-hmm. And then as a couple, it's even, it's even better for your relationship because, you know, one of the, you know, the keys to... I don't know if you want to talk about it. Let's go. Yes. Relationships. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> is doing new, do, doing new things together. Mm. You know, doing new things together actually creates new pathways in your brain mm. that connect you with that person. Wow. And so if you want to connect with your partner, you just need to go and do something new together. And then you'll have this new experience, this new connection rewired in your brain. It just brings you closer. Well. You are going to be blown away with this. The last uh, two interviews before I did an intro and I said to them how Pete and I just went away on this holiday and we actually decided to do it with a group of parents from the school and it could have turned out either way, right? (laughs) And I said it just reminded us of what we always ask ourselves and we have this motto, And we always ask ourselves this question, which is, when was the last time that we did something for the first time together? Because we, and I didn't realize the neuroscience about this, right? This has just come to me now. But we always say this because we always want to be able to hold ourselves accountable to experience in life and not staying in a rut and doing new things. But I didn't know the neuroscience, so no, we've been together for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's incredible new things by yourself you won't have that connection that's the difference you'll still you'll feel you know revitalized and things because you've done something new but if you do it with your partner that's that connection wow. you have that same connection together yeah that. yeah so you're in east timor i'd love to know what the question yes. is for this what is the one thing that you do on a very regular basis a physical activity and <laughs> Let's see where you can go with this because I don't know how much you can do over there with your busy schedule. But what is you, the thing that you do to sort of tap out, a physical activity that sort of gets you tapping out from work, tapping out from being the career woman, the midwife, the lactose consultant that realigns you and makes that happiest version of Melanie? Running. I'm a, I'm, I'm a runner. Oh. And, uh, I've, I've been running since I was... I don't know, 14 probably regularly. Um, and here it is hot. It's really it's quite warm. So you have to get up early. And I was never a morning person, but um, now I am <laughs> because I need to get that running. So I don't run every day. I run probably three times a week. And now I started like with just a break it up. But that's, that's that time. I can really feel it if I haven't haven't been running and haven't had that time for myself. Wow. And are you a long-distance runner? Is it a short sprint? What type of run do you do? I, I'm endurance, yeah, for longer. I used to do a lot of long stints. Now I've kind of injured. I've had a little niggling injury in my Achilles. Oh. So I probably do it 
six to ten six to ten k is probably good for me and it doesn't seem to bother it too much yeah so, yeah um but yeah i like the basically after eight runners that's when i get my super zen so the runner's yeah, high is that what it's called the yeah. runner's high <laughs> <laughs> that is what it's called yeah <laughs> I get the runner's high from a sprint. I am a sprinter, so I'm short sprints, um, not a long-distance runner, um, but I I get the feeling. I would love to say, you know, I've just ran 8Ks. (laughs) I I have to get through this mindset. You know, I look at a pole and I'll run as fast as I can to that pole and I'll look at the next pole and then I'll, I'll time myself for 30 seconds, you know, but, like, yeah, I would love to get awesome. to eight kilometers. That would be an awesome goal. So uh, thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you for sharing your journey um, and the, you know, just the, the beautiful journey of your life as well, just as a female entrepreneur, a career woman, a woman that's really making a change in the world. The one thing I think we can all take away is how much heart and soul and passion that you bring to everything that you do. And um, I truly believe that, part of that vibration that you bring with that product of no pong and that brand is also what helps lift it like i know not taking away any of the marketing and everything that chris does but you know when you are right. in line like i just think you know the 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 clouds part and open up and really help serve you get that message out there so thanks so much for sharing your time today and doing what you guys are doing no problem thank you so much for having me on it's really exciting and um, and yeah, thank you for all that you do because I really enjoyed the podcast as well. So it's, it's just great. It's another connection to make. Yeah, wonderful. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.